as we are wont to do here on the podcast, in the interest of distributing important information that can help people live better lives. Uh, this week, the CDC uh, did a, a PSA uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, do not reuse your condoms. <laughs> and, and, end of public service <laughs> announcement. Oh, my God. I, that, to me, that's common the sense. End. <laughs> Red Raiders. Hello. Thread Raiders. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators, with the occasional side quest for safety helmets and tandem bikes. <laughs> Ooh. I am Fenwald Griswick. And I am Chaotic Anarchy. And today we have a guest. Yay! Woo! <laughs> Introduce yourself. Who are you? I am. Stranger. I am I am the stranger. I am the mysterious stranger. <laughs> <laughs> As Daquin Gaming, hello, aka Dak. Yes, we brought Dak back because I didn't win at Snapple Caps last time. And, and now it's on. <laughs> now it's on. Yes, <laughs> so it's on like Donkey Kong. Be prepared because I'm going to kick your butt today. Okay, it's on. So first up, we're going to have our interview with Autism Initiative, which is a group that is spreading awareness of autism through gaming. And then we're going to move on to the news uh, after that. We're going to have our brand new, uh, only for the second time ever in history, tea segment time. called Tea Time. Yay. Yes. It went really well the first time. I feel very good about this one. Yeah, we're veterans at this. We are the Snapcap team. <laughs> Snapcap team. <laughs> then after that, we're going to have our famous segment, What's in the Box, and then What's finish the out box? with uh, what all we're going to be doing, including uh, as you are listening to this, uh, some of us will be at Gen Con. Like me. Dun, dun, dun. But first, we have an interview. With Steph, who is the founder of the Autistic Gaming Society. Uh, did I have that right? Autistic uh, Gaming initiative. Society? Yeah, initiative. Initiative. But that's we are a society, is. so that's that's also right. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> We have, a, we have a Discord. It's thriving. <laughs> I'm ahead of my time. Yeah. So let's start off with our very first question. Um, here on Thread Raiders Podcast, we are all about firsts. Okay. And it turns out that Sesame Place, which is a kid-based theme park in Pennsylvania, yeah. was designated in June of this year as a certified autism center. Right. Yeah. Which is the first theme park in the world to earn that title. Among other things, the park provides a printed guide with a rating system that allows parents to know which rides and activities could be triggers for their particular child's autism. Hmm. My question to you is this. Should video games and maybe even board games or something else uh, have a similar rating system? That's actually a really good question, um, considering um, I've actually gotten into a habit over the course of my life of before I get into any media, I go on Wikipedia and I read the whole thing to make sure that, like, the plot is safe for me. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but a lot of that is, you know, due to, like, personal things that have happened in my life, you know, social yeah. things that have not mm -hmm. gone very well. Uh, 
so I can totally understand why that would that wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea. I mean, we have epilepsy warnings already. Yeah, uh, there's certainly there's game there's games I love that one of my friends from high school she wouldn't be able to play because she's epileptic, um, mm-hmm. and I I feel bad I can't share them with her, but. Uh, so I, I mean, I could totally understand, like, this game has loud noises, like, please be careful about that. Like, things like that would be mm-hmm. not a bad idea. I mean, <laughs> I've gone into games and been, like, uh, just blasted in the ears with my head, because I'm wearing my headphones, and I'm like, I was not ready for that. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, maybe at least, like, noise warnings would be pretty great. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I could totally, like, totally see that would actually... Like, a rating system would actually, you know, like, in terms of, like, for mental health and generally, like, I know Doki Doki Literature Club had to have some warnings about its content. Mm. Uh, Even though it's a game you're technically supposed to go into blind, they were still like, there's some content in here that if you've, you know, dealt with suicide or it's going to bother you, you might not want to play this game. And, uh, you know, some people ignored it anyway, and then they were like, why did I do that? But, you know. It's, uh, I mean, it's definitely worth considering, you know, mentioning, like, this game has loud noises or other things. I mean, most, a lot of, like, physical sensory stuff, you're not going to have to deal with too much with games, at least, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. At least right now, I don't know, if we make, like, a holodeck, like, on Star Trek, then it's going to be a thing. But <laughs> right now, it's not. <laughs> a holodeck would be awesome, though, man. Like, but, uh, it would be incredible. It would be so great. Now, you guys are a gaming society. Yes. Is there anything special about gaming that appeals to uh, the autistic community? At least for me, my personal story is, I mean, I, I, you know, picked up video games in elementary school, like most children of my generation. And in middle school, I really didn't have any friends. I kind of lost all my friends. And so I would go home and my best friend was my GameCube, and I would play Smash Melee, and I got really good at it because I had no friends. <laughs> Which is sad, but I'm laughing at myself. Um, but it, uh, as, you know, the internet became more of a thing, I began able, you know, being able to reach out and kind of find other people who were like me, who didn't necessarily have friends, but, you know, or like real life friends, but you know, felt these deep attachments to these characters and mm-hmm. really bonded with them. And a lot of my early internet friends I met through fanfiction.net and <laughs> live journal. <laughs> I had a live journal. Uh, wow. Live journal. That's been forever ago. I remember I used to be on every day. I yeah. love live journal. And you would use your icons to show people yeah. like what you were feeling <laughs> in your posts and you'd have to like buy yep. more space. Yeah. See, this is the see, see kids. This is how we, we, it was very, very tedious work we had to like do all of this stuff <laughs> the struggle was real <laughs> yeah uh and ge- yeah but in general like i found that a lot of uh, as i got older and i got my diagnosis at age 20 um in general women tend to be diagnosed later due to societal stereotypes and all that really i didn't know that uh yeah because we yeah well the picture of autism in society is the like the like quiet white boy with blue eyes kind of who stares into your soul kind of thing and it's like mm, no boys are five times more likely to be diagnosed as girls yeah they are Um, is that because there is a gender disparity in autism or is that because there's a, a misunderstanding in the community about who is affected by autism. Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Uh I think there's a lot more girls than people realize. Um 
it's just, yeah, girls tend to be diagnosed later and they tend to be missed. Like, I was not caught till age 20. Although my parents were pretty sure, you know, psychology didn't catch up with me until I, I had a mental breakdown at age 20. <laughs> and they were like, oh, she's probably this. I'm like, yeah, my parents were saying that for a while. <laughs> so, you know, here I am nine years after that, out of that. Um, and like, I, I in general, I find a lot of the people I've, you know, found through gaming were on the spectrum as well. And we just kind of bonded and I, I had an idea while I was watching a charity stream to do this and we've ended up becoming like a pretty vibrant discord community now we're over 100 members after too many games Yay. Wow! we, we hit 100 oh, that was huge that is massive too many games pushed us over 100 so now we're like a bigger discord it's exciting <laughs> it is it's like yeah it's nice to see all these people jumping in and chatting and it's become like a nice space for other autistic people to just kind of come and talk about the things they like and they support each other through things and it's it's been great and anyone can join the discord right yeah anyone can join the discord you don't necessarily have to be autistic to join the discord um but you do have to be autistic to stream with us that's like the one caveat but okay. you do have to uh, but anyone can join the discord like one of my best friends from high school who is not autistic but has a sister condition add uh she's mm -hmm. in there um and uh so she's you know, also, you know, has a neurological thing that people misunderstand or whatever in society. So I'm just like, Maggie, just join the Discord. So she did. Um, <laughs> Let me ask you this. It appears as if you're raising an army. And <laughs> in the movie Mercury Rising, okay, Bruce Willis has to save the life of an autistic boy who can crack government codes at the age of nine. All right. Mm. Uh, do autistic players have an advantage over non-autistic players and by non-autistic players i mean me because i am highly competitive and i need to know if your organization poses a threat to my fortnite rating oh, i don't know if any of us play fortnite <laughs> i'd have to check i play a lot of splatoon 2 lately i've been i've been doing a lot of that uh, that's a fun game yeah heavy splatling main guys come at me now <laughs> um yeah but uh I love I love that gun, man. I'm I'm like leveling so I can get the Nautilus when it drops. So that's I, I just yeah. But that's see that's me being like a, my background's actually in military history, which is pretty funny. <laughs> so I'm like yeah. So like I I picked up Splatoon. I'm like wow. I love Sheldon. He's me. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right down to just to talking about stuff that no one cares about, and you know. But that's our whole podcast. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, that's I like you guys, but. Show. Um, but yeah, the uh, in terms of like, I don't necessarily know if like there's advantage or disadvantage or whatever. But like, we if we want to get good at something, we can hyper focus on that thing and learn to get really good at it. So that might be something. Like I, the reason I was so good at Smash Melee in middle school was like was because I just played it constantly, and just like like got really good like to a point where like if if there was a professional melee league at the time, I may have joined. But there wasn't. <laughs> and, like it, sh it showed up like 10 years too late. I'm like, well, where was that when I was 12? I would have had a lot of money. I, I could have retired. I wouldn't be working now. Like, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was disappointing. But yeah, <laughs> the, uh, there's definitely like hyper focus is a thing. You can learn skills like if you really want to. Um, I don't know if we necessarily all have like an advantage or, you know, disadvantage at, in terms of like any other gamers. So we met at Too Many Games. We did, Do you yeah. guys at Autistic Gaming Initiative do a lot of conventions? That was our first one with a table. 
Uh, so it was very exciting, uh, and I wanted to do too many games because uh, a year ago I went there for the first time, and I wanted to tell the Vine Sauce team uh, that they inspired me to start the Autistic Gaming Initiative. I was inspired by that one of their nice. charity streams. You should have seen her face when she talks about it. It's hilarious. Oh, you love my... them so much. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb crush and everything, I guess, but you know, but they're, they're all like amazing. All of those streamers are they incredible are. and they just did their charity stream this past weekend. I think they had over 121 K wow. for uh, pediatric children's research foundation. Um, like they do amazing awesome. stuff, their annual charity stream. It's like so good. Um, so a year later, I wanted to table at that con cause you know, to show how far we'd gotten and we, we did, it was great. Um, and I'm looking into doing, I think we're going to be at a video game con in September, so we're going to try to do that one, and, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll keep going from there. Too many games will be an annual thing, definitely, because I love it. Uh, I could try to swing MAGFest. Depends on my yes. library schedule. MAGFest is my favorite. MAGFest oh, is great. I went for the yeah. first time this past January, uh, and mm -hmm. it, every, everyone was amazing, and... Uh, yeah, MAGFest is great, and the people are amazing. MAGFest is amazing. That building is wild, too, it that is. you're in. Yeah. Uh, like, it's mm -hmm. like you're inside... You're outside, but you're inside, and it's... it's, just, yep. it, it's <laughs> It screws with me. It's very... But there was an archiving panel at MAGFest last year, and I had, like, I, this past year, and I was just like, yes, that's my job! I'm so excited! So I went to that, and it was, like, great. I'm like, my job! My job at a convention! This is, like, never happens. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to try to get to a MAGFest table. Maybe that would be fun in the future. So what are some of your favorite games, or maybe in the community, that you've noticed? Oh, gosh. Uh, I have so many. So uh, I'm... My all, my all-time favorite arcade game is Galaga. I have a reputation for running around New Jersey and like finding machines nice. and setting scores on it. Um, nice. I have like ten Galaga shirts. I have a, actually a Galaga Seven Eleven Slurpee cup sitting on my <laughs> thing right now. That I those are my two favorite things in the whole world: are Galaga and Slurpees. And someone's like, "Steph, you need to buy this." So I'm like, "Yes." I do. <laughs> so I, I went on eBay. But yeah, that uh, that's my all-time favorite arcade game. Uh, I tend to play. I tend to personally play a lot of racing games. Like I'm really actually quite good at Mario Kart. Um, a lot of the racing games I, I played from my childhood on stream uh, from like the N64 era, like the San Francisco Rush games, Rush 2 especially, I'll play those on stream a lot because they're just ridiculous. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely those. Uh, in terms of more recent games, uh, almost everything that's dropped on the Switch that's been like a major Nintendo title has been great. Uh, past like three weeks I've been addicted to Splatoon 2 um, <laughs> finally like had money because I finally got full time work so I'm like eh, it's been like a year since the game came in I'll finally buy it and now I'm like I didn't think I was going to get that obsessed with it that quickly I did <laughs> and I know I'm like it's like three weeks and my squid's at level 20 like how did I don't, I don't know I'm playing way too much <laughs> uh, but yeah I'm, uh, and then like there's a lot of like like a lot of I tend to play a lot of older things so like a lot of like N64 era stuff uh, and I have a ret I have a retro duo, so I have like Mar I have a Mario RPG on there, which I love, uh, which I might do in a future stream. Paper Mario is actually my all time favorite N sixty four game. I've never played, but I've heard good things. It's wonderful. Uh, I did a full stream of it. It for AGI. It took like several months because I only had time to stream like the one day each month, the like the one bit each month for the the uh, the charity streams, <laughs> and so it took like several months to finish. But it's absolutely an amazing game it's definitely one of my faves my brother and i also my my kid brother and i have a childhood fondness for Star Fox 64 that is not going anywhere and then of course there's like there's ocarina of time which is everyone's favorite yeah. like there's no mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, Breath of the Wild, though, is pretty damn good. <laughs> I got your hand into it. Uh, but that, and I've been playing some Mario Odyssey as well, too. That's been pretty good. But yeah, a lot of the stuff I have is like, tend to really latch on to, tends to be like older, which is probably due to the fact that I'm actually technically a working historian. So, uh, like, I'm, a, I'm an archivist, so my job in real life is to preserve uh, old things, uh, usually books or documents or photos. Yes. The next time that we have you on, it'll be just to talk about Cicero. Yeah, we're really oh, excited yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, you just have me on talk about old things. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, like archivists increasingly are looking at video games, so that's kind of a thing. The problem is that so many games nowadays are going digital, like through Steam, that yeah. you can't really get the source code or the copy, you know, like a copy to keep. Um, yeah. And if a it's developer decides, it... hey, I'm going to take that game down, you can never yeah. play it again, which it's really sucks. It's going to make it really difficult going forward. Mm -hmm. It's going to have to, like, I don't know, like, they're going to have to have, like, corporate archivists do the thing at this point. Like, because it's, mm -hmm. it's getting to a point where it's like, how are we going to, like, save these? Like, I have MAME, I have Project 64, I can run these things off my computer, which is great. But, right. like, just say that someone takes off, uh, like, something valve did like how is valve going to preserve that who's going to preserve that so it's going to be really an interesting thing going forward let's say that i was a, a parent uh, with an autistic child and i wanted to get them into gaming um how would i what would be the best way to kind of get that started like what is there a genre that i should avoid or maybe one that you know would work like you mm -hmm. talked about racing games you know is that a good starting point um i mean they were for me because one of my interests growing up was cars i wanted to be a race car driver <laughs> at one point uh, amongst, <laughs> amongst other bizarre career choices that was one of them and i also just kind of had like a natural affinity for them that i still to this day can't explain but uh, mm -hmm. uh i know a lot of autistic kids play minecraft um that's mm. like i mean a lot of kids in general play minecraft but a lot of autistic kids play. There's at least a couple of servers that I know that are out there that are specifically made for autistic kids to hang out. That's neat. That's good to know. Yeah. And be safe on. Yes, yeah, so like that. But I mean, a lot of that isn't Minecraft is like really popular in general. So it might have to do with that. Um, uh, in general, I'd say be careful when playing online. A lot of people still think that it's okay to use autism as an insult. It's not. Mm. Really? That's part of why we exist, actually, as a gaming team is to kind of be like look we're it's our identity it's not an insult yeah right it yeah. doesn't mean what you think it means it's a neurological condition and everyone here has it and you're being a dick uh but yeah a lot of like a lot of kids will start out entry level minecraft's a good entry level uh nintendo's just safe in general for kids granted it's like i mean with any other kid your mileage may vary like my my kid brother was playing halo when he was like eight and uh, I mean, he was fine, but you know, I mean, he's not autistic. I am, but, uh, but like, I mean, any other kid, like, you, it's just like any other kid. You just want to make sure, like, is this like, can my child handle the subject matter? Um, like, maybe I should go over it with them beforehand. Um, and again, I mean, Nintendo's generally safe. Minecraft generally safe. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Roblox is big right now with kids. I don't know anything about that other than that it exists and it's like Lego ripoff thing. Yeah, right. Like, I have no idea. And then, I mean, apparently all my mom, my mom's an elementary school librarian. Apparently all her kids' students are playing Fortnite anyway. So I don't know. They're all playing Fortnite anyway. I'm like, okay, you're like five and you're playing Fortnite. Like, all right, <laughs> uh, go for it. Just don't talk to people online. You don't know. Be safe, kids. You know, you were talking about people you know, using uh, autism as a as an insult. 
Um, yeah. You know, Oscar, Oscar Wilde said, give a man a mask and he will show you his true face. You know, the internet is the biggest mask of all. You know, oh, there's yeah. so many people out there just, you know, trolling the world, the planet. Mm -hmm. um, but I would assume that in the autism community, it's actually probably a little bit worse than, you know, uh, in other places. I mean, do you find that that's the case? Uh, yeah, I mean, part of why I started the Discord was to kind of make it safe. Sure. For autistic people to be themselves. Um, especially, like, a lot of our younger members who haven't learned, you know, social nuances yet have experienced a lot of, you know, bullying and a lot of... I mean, I was bullied horribly growing up as a child, and I wish I had known that I, you know, had was like this instead of, you know, just thinking I was, like, this awful different kid who didn't fit in uh it, it would have been kind of nice to be like no you're just you're just autistic and it's fine just keep yeah. doing your own shit just go uh mm -hmm. but like yeah a lot of i find a lot of the especially the younger members of the community tend to kind of you know have experienced this because they haven't learned how to deal with it yet how to cope with it and uh, one of the reasons we started the Discord was to really kind of give, aside from like giving the streamers a place to kind of start congregating, when we started opening it up, it was to give other autistic folks a safe place to just kind of exist and be sure. who they are. Yeah. Without having to worry about people picking on them or being mean or, or being, you know, awful. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's, and I wish I'd had a place like that when I was younger. I really wish I'd had a place to, you know, safely talk about the things I cared about instead of constantly being told, no, your favorite things are awful and they suck and you suck and you should feel yeah. bad. And also uh, you're ugly. And like, you know, it would have been nice to just be in a safe, you know, place like this and be like, oh, you're really into, uh, so it's like, oh, yeah, you you do this. Like, now I can, like, go in and be like, yeah, so in, in college and undergrad, I minored in Civil War era studies, and everyone's like, that's so cool. Yeah. Whereas, like, <laughs> if I cool. said when in high school, I'm like, I'm going to go minor in Civil War era studies, and everyone's like, you fucking loser. Yeah, right. <laughs> Feel free to bleep me, by the way. I'm sorry. New Jersey <laughs> no, comes out sometimes, and I just, I just start swearing. It's awful. <laughs> you're on one of the loosest, nerdiest podcasts on the planet. Yep. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> Okay, cool. We're good. <laughs> now we want to discuss about like other charities that you work with. Can you talk about the Autistic Self Advocacy Network? So they were founded basically as a response to groups like Autism Speaks and other groups that just kind of shout over us about what they think we need instead of listening to us about what we actually need. Mm -hmm. um, and so the the Autistic Self Advocacy Network came about with uh, it was a bunch of self advocates um, like people like me, you know, before. Mm -hmm. I was doing it uh, and their idea was look we can speak for ourselves and and fight for autistic people as a group ourselves and we can show what we need and what would be more beneficial to put your money towards than just this whole like cure mumbo jumbo that isn't going to do anything mm -hmm. because it's just how the brain is is shaped and you can't cure that so you might as well work on quality of life stuff or Helping autistic people get jobs or... The cure people upset me. Yeah, because that's kind of the big the big thing. Like, Autism Speaks was focusing on, like, it basically demonized autism and made it this, like, awful thing as opposed sure. to just part of the human condition. And so the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network is like, hold up, we're not going to, like, make any progress that way. So they do things like housing and jobs and all sorts of other stuff that they work on. Oh, and that's so cool. we, we love to give back to them. Um, and then they're the sister, sort of sister organization. I don't, they kind of branched off from them, I think, but they, 
Originally, they were the Autistic Women's or Autism Women's Network. They're now the Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network. They've expanded to include more people, which is pretty cool. Uh, and they're kind of they came out about a few years ago. They kind of popped out, um, uh, and they work pretty closely with each other. These two organizations. I know a lot of people at both of them, and they're they're just phenomenal at what they do. And uh, I was if the Autistic women in non-binary network was around in 2009 i would have been like well thank you now i have all these great resources yeah. that i as a as a woman can use because i was diagnosed back when there weren't really that many those organizations working together has been really beneficial for autistic people on the whole not just in the united states but like they're starting to really branch out to the internet so it's been sure, wonderful sure so what events are coming up for your gaming initiative? Uh, so our next charity stream is this weekend. 28th and 29th we'll be streaming. Um, usually we start around noon at Eastern Standard Time. We go till midnight Eastern Standard Time, uh, 12 hours a day. Generally you'll see anywhere between four to six streamers a day, depending on how many people are available and pop in. Uh, I think we're down a few this month. Um, you know, I mean, some of them are, you know, like not so good reasons. Like one of our streamers had a, had dental surgery. He can't talk really well. Uh, some of them are better reasons. One of our streamers is pregnant um, with her ah, first child. Yay. So good reason. Yeah, it's been fun. We're we're all suggesting names. I think the most popular one in the Discord right now is Goku. Let's um, <laughs> go figure. Uh, <laughs> we're doing great. Uh, uh, but yeah, so what, yeah, generally we do that once a month. It's usually the last weekend of the month. Um, and that's to support the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network and Autism Women's Network. Uh, so that's coming up. Um, a video game con is in September. That's the Meadowlands Exposition Center in Secaucus and Harmon Center, or whatever the hell they call that. Um, in the uh, And it's going to be September 15th and 16th. I can actually hear that you live in the area of Hoboken, by the way you say Secaucus. <laughs> Secaucus, yeah, I, I, I live, yeah, I'm a northern New Jersey person. Yeah, northern Jersey. So, yeah. yeah, so I have the ex, I, I have the accent, I say Secaucus, yeah. God bless you. You call them hoagies, <laughs> don't you? Yeah, yeah, Wawa says hoagies, yeah, subs and hoagies are, it's like, there's like a line somewhere in New Jersey where they go between sub and hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, while I'm at it, I love Wawa. Uh, oh, you're making yeah. me hungry. Keep New Jerseying here, I love Wawa, it's so good. Mm-hmm. So good. I personally might be at MAGFest, I'm hoping. I don't know if I'll have a table or not, but I would be there in January. Where can people go to find uh, you guys? Okay, so uh, we have a website, um, autismgaming.com. Our Twitter account is at Autistic Gamers. We do have a Facebook page. If you just search for Autistic Gaming Initiative, we should come up. And cool. uh, yeah, my my personal account on pretty much every website. If you ever want to find me, is eighteen sixty three underscore project, uh, because I went to Gettysburg College and minored in Civil War studies, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so, <laughs> Battle of Gettysburg was eighteen sixty three. So that's a pretty easy way to remember how to find me. If you if you need to know it's me, there will be a lot of pictures of a very large cat. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> Murphy. He's twenty two pounds. He's big. Uh, he's staring at me right now because he knows I have food. Yes, and can I just thank Murphy for not killing any cattle while we were talking here? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Murphy. Thanks great. for not going after the beef. You're a good boy. 
22 pounds. Are you sure he didn't pick up a link somewhere? Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I told someone his size once. He's like, they're like, no, that's a bobcat. Like, what is <laughs> Like, I don't know. He just got big. He's large. Well, listen, Sophie, we want to thank you for uh, being our interview this week. It, it's been very eye-opening, and uh, we really do wish you well for your group. Um, Gaming, yeah. oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we'll be streaming this weekend, so come find us, definitely. We will. <laughs> come say hi. And we are convention addicts, so uh, we hope to see you out there on the floor over and over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> we'd love to say, yeah, if you, if, you, if you see us at a, if we're tabling, come say hi, definitely. We'd love to say hi. Yep, I'll be there. It's promo time. Hey, CA. Yes, Cruz? Where the hell are my keys? How should I know? You're good at this sort of thing. You play that drunken bar game where you find the toaster in the tree. You know I can't see you, right? Focus. Did you look on the key rack? I did. Not there. Did you look on your front door? I did. Not there. Did you check in the fridge? What? <laughs> do you want help or do you want explanations? Uh... Let me check. <sighs> Two hours later. I did. Not there. Are they around your neck on a tabletop loot lanyard that's supposed to be for a convention ID badges, but instead is holding your keys because you insist on breaking the rules? Oh, yeah. Listeners, our presenting sponsor this week, Tabletop Loot, has just added a brand new product, a Lobster Claw Badge Lanyard, which Griswick, for some reason, is using to keep his keys in plain sight. They were right there the whole time. Tell me that's not convenient. Tabletop Loot, loot for every table. And now, back to our show. So now we're going to get into the news. Oh, Oh, it's the news? Is that what we're doing? What kind of good stuff do we have for the news today? I like that bicycle song. <laughs> Let's hope it's not copywritten. Well, I'm glad you do like the bicycle song. You know what else I like? What's that? Fishing for plastic from a floating bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's so much fun, Dak. You should come over and try it. Well, I'm sure uh, some of you will be aware that uh, Amsterdam has a very big canal culture whereby there are people who literally live on boats you know they don't have apartments or houses or anything like that they live on the boat all year round well it turns out that london has one of those too uh in the tributaries in and around the thames uh, there are many many boat communities um and these people some of them have a tendency to pollute and so there was a gentleman his name is drove brua how about that for a name Ooh. He is, among other things, an adventurer. He and a bunch of other people got onto yachts in London and sailed to Rio de Janeiro as fast as they could to see who would win. All right. This guy lives uh, one hell of a lifestyle. <laughs> I picture another 30 years from now, he's going to be the Dos Equis guy. Oh, Most I interesting got it. man in the I world. Got it. <laughs> well, anyway, he has made his way back to London, and uh, being the adventurer slash inventor, it turns out that he is, he has built himself a river bike. Basically, what he does is every day he rides his regular bike down to the Thames or one of its tributaries, then gets out and opens up a backpack, which contains numerous uh, pieces of a floating bike. Basically, um, he takes two collapsible pontoons 
and blows them up with a tiny air compressor <laughs> and then um, adds on, you know, like a, an actual piece that, you know, allows him to propel himself and a rudder that attaches to the front wheel of his bike. That's so fascinating. Then he hops on and goes out into the water. Now, because there's a uh, this boating community, there are a bunch of people who are all milling about, you know, what is basically on the sidewalk. Uh, and then he'll bike up to them and shake their hands and say hello. All during the course of which he's also plucking pieces of plastic, cups and bottles and all kinds of things like that, out of the river. Uh, he has two nets on either side of him in order to keep balance so that he doesn't fall over. Then he takes them home and recycles them. That's neat. Can anybody make a bike like this? Uh, well, his bike is made out of bamboo. Do you know anything about bamboo? Uh, I could buy bamboo. Perfect. Then you're in. <laughs> and uh, pandas eat them. That's true. But that's not going to help me bike, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get very far if my panda keeps eating my bike. I mean, you could always go down to China and, you know, there's a whole buttload down there. So how does he make it so that, like, no matter how much you weigh, that the bike will still carry you on water? Uh, bamboo is a very lightweight material, so I assume that that was part of his reasoning there, was to make the whole thing capable of fitting into a backpack, um, except for the bike, of course. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he wanted to uh, get it down as small as possible, so I'm sure he brought that into consideration. That makes That's sense. That's really cool. Yes. Huh. But if you want to become a river recycler, uh, he's got a video online that shows you how to do it. So you can always check that out. Now, Chris, wasn't there something you were interested in? Uh, wasn't there somebody who was collecting plastic underwater somehow? Was it with netting? I believe what you're referring to is deep river fishing yes. for gold. And yes, no. I was absolutely very much <laughs> and am still am interested in that. No, uh, it's if, not for gold. If anyone has a neodymium <laughs> magnet of appropriate size that could bring up a chest of gold, maybe left behind by pirates, I need you to uh, contact the Thread Raiders through the usual channels. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I you see. can find us on Twitter and Facebook, <laughs> if, if you will. Please contact us there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was one of my obsessions one week, was uh, there were people who were taking this giant magnet, hurling it over the side of a bridge, and then sucking up basically garbage, but then also weapons and, and coins and things like that off the bottom of the river. Interesting. So I know that a lot of the Thread Raiders come up with amazing ideas. Every day there's something fantastic going on, whether it be in a campaign or outside their campaigns. And so I saw this video the other day about this guy who, instead of using windshield wiper fluid in his car to spray out, he put tea in there, apparently. Hmm. What kind of tea? An unnamed brand of tea. They have paid us, <laughs> and so they shall remain I mean, nameless. We all know what tea I would pick, but it wasn't Snipple tea. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, say, is it Snipple? <laughs> no, it couldn't be. That's the off-brand. That's the off-brand. <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure of the legality of this. I'm pretty sure that you need your windshield wipers. But Daniel Tillotson... Uh, decided that uh, one day he was driving along and he felt kind of thirsty. So he bought one of those mm -hmm. beer helmet uh, things uh, that, you know, you wear at parties <laughs> and then put two iced teas in it and then was pulled over because the police did not believe that it was iced tea. That's perfect for me, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much gaming I could get done if I put Snipple in my hat? <laughs> you need, and then on, on the front it would say he's or she's number one. Why did we not think of this? 
Yes. Sign of a true addiction right here. I do. I have a problem. I admit it, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> Good, Chris. Well, you can imagine that driving around with a beer helmet, iced tea or not, uh, <laughs> will attract a lot of attention. And so on multiple occasions, uh, Daniel was pulled over by the police, who, of course, tested his tea and then let him go. But still, that's kind of annoying. And so he needed a better beverage delivery system. So he came up with one. He yanked out the innards of his windshield wiper fluid system and ran the hoses up and through the windshield so that now when he presses his windshield wiper fluid button in the car, it spits tea at him. (laughs) Now, it takes a little bit of work, but you can learn to drink tea while it is airborne. Um, It's actually quite a feat, and he does have video to prove that it does work. He also has video to prove that in order to make the system work, uh, you have to drain the windshield wiper fluid with water many, many, many times in order to get out all of the toxic chemical uh, that could possibly kill you. Yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, Yes. Um, But uh, he did uh, get it to function, so that was in the news this week. Don't try this at home, listeners. But how hard up do you have to be to drink your beverage? Well, even watching it in the video, like it sprays him in the face. Like it's... (laughs) Like, you have to have really good aim, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, if you use decaf, then it'll sting less. Oh. oh. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> as long as it doesn't get in your eye, you're good. Oh, oh, oh the pain. <laughs> yes, well, I don't see explaining that to your insurance company when you're in an accident and uh, they say, what happened? And you were like, well, I squirted myself in the eye with tea. Okay, I think we, I think we need a disclaimer here. Yeah. Don't. Put any hot liquid anywhere in your car lest you get burnt. So don't do this, kids. You got people disassembling their radiator trying to get the coffee in it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, everyone knows that getting on a plane can be awful. You have to worry about turbulence. You have to worry about all your luggage getting on there. Hopefully your pets don't die. Like, it's horrible trying to get on a plane, let alone when fights break out, right? Someone takes our pets everywhere. I can <laughs> I can just tell. Some occupations encourage sparring between their employees. <laughs> Hockey enforcer, soldier, FBI agent. However, pilot is not one of those. Uh, 150 passengers were treated to an unusual, let's call it a show. They heard noises of violence coming from the cockpit. And the air marshals burst into action because they thought that the plane was under attack. And so they ran to the front of the plane and jumped into the cockpit, only to find that the noises were not coming from terrorists, but were coming from the pilots who were actually fighting themselves. Oh, no. Whoa. Uh, Which is unusual, to say the least. Um, Both of the pilots were from Iraq. Uh, I guess they're equivalent to the FAA. Uh, is investigating. Both pilots have been suspended. Uh, One of the pilots was reached for his side of the story, and it was the co-pilot, and he said that the pilot, quote, forbade an air hostess from bringing me a meal tray under the pretext that I hadn't asked him for authorization. I've never actually been on a plane. You haven't? I have not. It's, It's an interesting experience. I like to keep my feet on the ground. (laughs) That's where I belong. I'm not a fan of coasters or flights. However, I would like to go to England one day, so one day this will happen, but just not before then. 
<laughs> you're like Bones from the Star Trek series. You like refuse to get in a teleporter and you're like, I'll take the shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> Except instead of taking the shuttle, I'll walk it. Yeah, yeah. So the other day I was Googling Ashley Dwayne McIsaac. He's an incredible fiddler. If you don't know him, I would definitely look up his YouTube channel. Uh, he's just so impressive with everything that he does. And he also, I found out this interesting fact that he plays a right-handed fiddle, but left-handed. Ooh. Yes. That's, that's some talent right there. Yes. And what he's a rebel. incredibly fast. So I highly recommend you take a look at it. And then I came across another article about a pawn shop that buys violins. There is a pawn shop in Somerville, Massachusetts, and it's the LBC Boutique and Loan. And recently, uh, they were offered uh, a $50 violin. Uh, and so the person who was at the front desk, who was new, granted, uh, looked the violin over and thought, yeah, well, that seems about right. So they paid out the $50 and took the violin in. Now, there is a law in Massachusetts that requires pawn shops to hold on to whatever they buy for 30 days. And that's a good thing because it turns out that this particular violin was stolen. It was not a $50 violin. It was a $250,000 violin. Oh, my gosh. (gasps) That's crazy. Handcrafted 1759 Ferdinando Gagliano violin. Oh, my God. Uh, Pawn shops get stolen goods all the time, but this was certainly the most valuable stolen item that there has ever been in this particular pawn shop. The pawn shop owner uh, gave a quote to the local paper. They said, we are going to start asking the customers to play the violins to make sure that we know that it's theirs. If you decide to sell your grand piano in Massachusetts uh, before you wheel it down there, I suggest you make sure you know how to play it. (laughs) I was just wondering, what if you're selling a violin, like, for... What if you have a family member or a friend who allowed you to sell it, but and you took it in to sell it for them, and they ask you to play it? You're not going to know how to play it. Just burn it in the fireplace at that point. (laughs) Well, there you go. Problem solved. And so I do have one final news story today. As we are wont to do here on the podcast, in the interest of distributing important information that can help people live better lives, uh, this week the CDC uh, did a, a PSA uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, do not reuse your condoms. <laughs> and, and, end of public service announcement. Oh, my God. I, that, to me, that's common the sense. End. <laughs> and now it's time for tea. don't reuse your condoms (laughs) time for tea (laughs) welcome ladies and gentlemen to our new segment where we check the so-called facts from the underside of a popular uh, yet nameless beverage tea brand this segment seeks to prove the axiom that 20% of all the facts that were true on the day that you were born will be disproven by the day you die you can't see a deck but I'm staring at you right now (laughs) That's, that's burning a hole into your soul. <laughs> that That's both very endearing and very creepy at the same time. Well, I'm going to win. <laughs> well, we will see. We will see. We will begin with uh, what we ended with last week. Snap cap fact number 1368. 
A neutron star is as dense as stuffing 50 million elephants into a thimble. I can't even picture this. 50 million elephants or a thimble? Elephants in a thimble. Oh, okay. I think they mean the mass of all those elephants. (laughs) Keep in mind, the thimble that you see in Monopoly is not to scale. Yeah. I'd like to ask, what is a neutron star for 300, please? So stars come in different forms. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are stars at the beginning of their life, uh, and generally speaking, those are like yellow, like our sun, um, or white, or uh, sometimes like a bluish color. Mm -hmm. Then there are stars in the middle of their life, but they're heading towards death. Those are called red giants. And then after that, after the star blows itself into pieces (laughs) and has spread gook all over the galaxy... Uh, a neutron star, kind of star is sometimes left behind. It's this super dense matter that is at the base of a regular sized star that has shed all of its outer layers. I'm going to go with false. Okay. Well, I think from all the space shows that I've seen, uh, I'm going to I'm going to go What space shows have you seen? Lots of space shows. Yeah, like the what? Ones where they talk about Name one space show. Bil- one space show. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Factoid. I watched Star Trek. <laughs> he saw one episode of the Jetsons once. Yeah. Yes, that's how we get all of my that's information. What this is based <laughs> on right here, the Jetsons. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say true, even though I'm sure the answer could vary depending on the neutron star. Ooh, he's gonna go down. So the answer <laughs> is true. Fucking a. Why? <laughs> now. No, but he did not learn that from the Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what anyone said. <laughs> the Jetsons, Star man. This is what I get for being more of a Star Wars fan than Star Trek. Right here. This is <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to take my word for this. I want you to take the word of Professor Jason Steffen, who is a professor of physics and astronomy at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas. Go Rebels. Uh, he has a, a, a weekly show on Twitch. Um, it's at Horizon Sci. Sci oh, is like science, S-C-I. Yeah. yeah. Every week he gets on and he talks about space, something unusual, something about the sun or the planets or orbits or whatever. He has subspecialties in dark matter, dark energy, and gravitation. He was the perfect guy to ask about this. I contacted him on Twitter and he said that it was true. And here is oh. why. Density of a neutron star, 5 times 10 to the uh, power of 11 kilograms per cc. A thimble is 1 cc, so those two things cancel them out. And in order to get uh, the exact number of elephants that you would need, you would divide 5 times 10 to the 11 by 10 to the 4, which is the weight of an elephant. And that would give you 50 million. That's a lot of numbers. I can't even dispute it now. There's a professional that knows. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same way. Whatever. Now, to your <laughs> point, Dak, uh, while neutron stars do vary in density, the range of densities is not statistically significant in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Snapcat fact number 904. If done perfectly, any Rubik's Cube can be solved in 17 turns. True. Oh, man. I'm going to say true as well. Two trues? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. The answer is false. Oh. oh. Now, <laughs> let me painful. ask you this. You? What are you talking about? You got one. <laughs> You're holding a Rubik's Cube. And so the top 
part of the Rubik's Cube, the top of the cube. If you turn it once to the left, we're going to call that a quarter turn, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now, turn it 180 degrees. Is that two quarter turns or is that a half turn? And yes, this does matter. Aren't they one and the same? No. I mean... Because if you turn it a quarter and then another quarter, you could either think of that as two moves or one continuous move that makes it a half a turn. want to go with a half a turn. You want to go with a half turn? Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go with her. Okay. So if it is a half turn, which means in one fluid motion, you turn it 180 degrees, you can solve any Rubik's Cube in 20 moves or less. Ooh. If you do the quarter turn model, it takes 26 moves or less. Guaranteed. They solved it mathematically. There is a massive equation, which you can read on www.cube20.org. Okay? Wow. There are 490 million positions that require exactly 20 turns of the cube. I calculated out how wrong the SnapCap people were. Yes. Uh, assuming that you believe that any... But they're real facts, in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> assuming that you believe that any Rubik's Cube can be solved in 17 turns, you actually would be depriving yourself of 97.3% of all the other possible solutions. So not only were they wrong, but they were very wrong. Wow. Yes. You guys are so wrong. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're so wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> you couldn't get any more wrong. <laughs> wrong cubed. <laughs> You're oh, wrong. Oh, it's perfect. God's numbers. Oh, I just get got it. it. <laughs> You're welcome. That was for everyone. Snapcap fact number 57. You blink over 10 million times a year. Yes true so that means you should go the opposite way because clearly i'm really good at being wrong i don't know that i mean i blink a lot like right now i just blinked like 15 times i'm gonna say true that sounds fairly legitimate the answer is false (laughs) so there's two ways to look at this number one is by pure math uh, the average person blinks every four seconds. There are 31.5 million seconds in a year. If you actually do the math, that works out to 7,889,400 blinks per year. About 25% short of the 10 million that you would need. No, I think this is wrong. Now, the other way to look at it is that the word you, you blink over 10 million times a year. I'm assuming that anybody can drink tea. And so... What about people who are in comas? Oh, that just got deep. <laughs> what about people with Mobius syndrome? These are people who cannot smile, frown, raise their eyebrows, or blink, which happens in wow. one in 500,000 people, roughly making 700 in the United States alone. I've never heard that. Then there's yeah, Tourette syndrome. For those of you who probably know of Tourette syndrome from comedy shows where people scream out obscenities in public, uh, ticking out is the same as having an itch uh, or more accurately having a mosquito bite you and then you have to stare at it and not swat it or scratch it for about an hour. Uh, It's actually pretty mentally intensive. One of the things that helps Tourette syndrome sufferers get by is to excessively blink or to not blink at all 
because both will work depending upon the situation. So really, we won. No, not even uh, close. What? Yes, we did. You just debunked it. <laughs> yes, but you both said true. <gasps> because it is. It's you can blink over ten million times in a year. Aha! Uh-huh, snap. No, it's. Okay. I'm sorry. Not you can blink. It's you blink. As in everybody blinks more than ten million times. That is incorrect. No. No, we still win. If the answer was you blink over seven million times, that would be oh, a correct answer. Oh, but that's answer. like semantics. It's not semantics. It's a number. <laughs> that's so no. It's the way that it's phrased. What if they said you blink over ten trillion times a year? Am I supposed to accept that? Because the T is. It's... What if you're a person who blinks all the time, like one of those you had just mentioned? Then yes. So you're saying that it's true for some people, but false for everybody else. Correct. All right, I'll give you both points. Yay! Yay! Snap cap fact number 1159. Jimmy Carter once filed a report for a UFO sighting in 1973, calling it, quote, the darndest thing I've ever seen. I feel like it's something he would say. I mean, I don't know him well, but <laughs> I remember the days. <laughs> uh, God, I don't true. know. True. If you go the opposite, Dak, you might win. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? If I go the opposite way, one of us is guaranteed a point. Yeah. So what'd you say? She said false. I went with the truth. No, I didn't. I know. I was trying to help. <gasps> you just gave him the answer. I did not. Cheater. I'm going to go with false. One of us is going to be wrong. Get you, Brute. And the answer is true. Aha. Uh-huh. Hey. You won. I did something. While he was governor of Georgia, Jimmy Carter, on January the 6th, 1969, was at a Lions Club meeting when some other people in the audience pointed to some odd lights on the skyline. Uh, they watched those lights for several minutes. They changed colors. They moved about the sky seemingly impossibly fast and then retreated off into the distance. They were never seen again. Um, he didn't actually file the report, though, until 1973. At which point, an investigation was launched. Uh, the investigation, which concluded three years later, um, said that they were only able to corroborate his story with one other member of the meeting. Um, Jimmy Carter said later, a quote, <laughs> One thing's for sure. I'll never make fun of people who say they've seen unidentified objects in the sky. And if I become president, I'll make every piece of information this country has about UFO sightings available. Close quote. And then he did the exact opposite. Dun, dun, dun. I'd like to thank my mother for knowing this fact. <laughs> 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 thank you, Mama Anarchy. About UFOs <laughs> and politics. Snap cap fact number 929. Manatees' eyes close in a circular motion, much like the aperture of a camera. Well, you know what? I don't know. I think it's more like a... Don't lizards do that? Some It doesn't like the... What's that little lizard guy on the... <laughs> well, I think they... Like how lizards have like no. those, inter- those internal eyelids that go What's like the to the side. What's the one with Johnny Depp and he's the lizard? Uh, Durango? Um, it's... Yeah. Oh. Django? Is that what it's called? Doesn't his eyes close no, like no. that too? No. That, oh, that was Ringo. Ringo. That's what Ringo. it was. Rango? Rango? Ringo? Rango? Yes. Rango, Ringo. His eyes close like that, right? Sure. Well, that, but... I mean, I, you know what? I've never seen a wrong cartoon. So I'm going to say false because I think it's an amphibian thing. Yeah, I'm going to say false as well. <gasps> All right. The answer is true. Ah. No, I should have went with my first gut instinct. Stupid yeah. manatee. 
You need to take a drink of some snipple. Clearly. Be okay. The word aperture is Latin. It means an opening. Also the source <laughs> of the word aperitif, which is the opening to a meal. I'm too sad to care. I know nothing about manatees, <laughs> so there's no way for me to help. <laughs> they used to be called mermaids back in the day. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, like sailors and stuff would always be sailing around doing their sailor business. And they'd be like, oh, I saw a mermaid. It, and more than likely, those quote-unquote mermaid sightings were simply just manatees doing their manatee things. <laughs> manatee things. Yes. Like with their eyes. <laughs> yes. Their, their eye apertures. I tell you what, you got to be pretty desperate to be hot for a woman whose eye just squished down like a camera aperture. That's pretty brutal. I wonder if it makes the sound. <laughs> oh, if, if, if she does, man, I would get so turned on. You have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody has their kinks, and that's okay. <laughs> this is a free, you know, you're in the nest. I'm going to move on before we learn anything else about you, though. Snapcap okay. fact number 867. Franklin Roosevelt was related to five U.S. presidents by blood and six by marriage. I feel like this is going to be a tricky one. Like one's going to be divorced or something like that. Or the, 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 This series of, of snap caps are so difficult. Well, keep in mind, I don't make the facts. Uh, they just come to me when I'm thirsty. I would not count divorce because uh, if you are married, you know, that's enough. <laughs> Even if they got divorced later, that's You've okay. You've met your quota. Yeah. You're done. Yep. It still You're counts. Ahead. It still counts. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, are we going to split it again? I'll go true. You go false. I, I do like true. I like true, too. Let's go truth together. Yes. We're gonna Let's go be it. truth together. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yay. <laughs> All humans are related by blood. For them to say that he was related to five U.S. presidents by blood is ridiculous. He was related to all the U.S. presidents by blood. All humans are related by marriage is a little trickier, but anybody who is married is related to anybody else who is married through the same transitive property. You can connect any two people in humanity if you're willing to go back far enough and you have a complete enough history. For instance, Barack Obama is related to George Washington. Washington's fathers, mothers, mothers, fathers, mothers, 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 fathers, sisters, daughters, 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 sons, 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 daughters, sons, 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 daughters, 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 daughter was Barack Obama's mother. I'm sure we're going to get some comments about that. And that's thanks to the people at Genie.com. I will post the link in the notes and you can actually see the link between the two and the names of every single person that I just referenced. One point for each of you. You And now finally, snap cap fact number 1394. The Earth rotates at a speed of 1,040 miles per hour. Um, I want to say that's true. Why do you want to say that's true? Because I don't want to say that's false. No, I saw this one <laughs> on the Jetsons. <laughs> uh, false. I have one false, one true. Is that official? Yes. Yes. Okay. The answer is true. NASA has officially posted uh, the speed at 1,037 miles per hour, according to mathematical laws uh, that would round to 1,040. And so uh, 
even though it is not exactly correct, it is correct. Wait a minute. It was 1,040? Correct. What was on the stupid cat? 1,040. <laughs> That's crap. That's crap. <laughs> For what it's worth, uh, the Earth is actually slowing. Um, based on earthquakes that happen on the Earth on a regular basis, they change the distribution of the mass. And as a result, uh, the Earth is naturally slowing on average uh, two milliseconds. I'm sorry, adding two milliseconds to each day every 100 years. For instance, on March the 11th, 2011, uh, there was the Japanese earthquake uh, that caused like the, the tsunami and the Fukushima you know, meltdown and, and all that stuff. Um, that earthquake was so big, it shortened the day by itself by 1.8 microseconds. So much so that we actually had to adjust all of our satellites in order to get everybody back into geosynchronous orbit. That's crazy. The 9.1 Sumatra earthquake in 2004 shortened the day by 6.8 microseconds. Luckily, that was before we became so dependent on GPS. And the 8.8 magnitude earthquake in Chile last year also sped up the planet's rotation and shortened the day by 1.26 microseconds all by itself. And the final score. Dak has scored four points and Sia has scored three. Dak is our winner again. Oh. oh. <laughs> you, you will always be a winner in my heart. <sighs> it's a tough beat, but somebody's got to do it. And now it's time for What's in the Box, the show where we ask our listeners to imagine that we are just like them and not weird at all. 45 minutes after first opening a rift to another dimension with a hellish whip made of human spines, the rift finally closes of its own accord. Completely spent from defending your own universe from an unplanned invasion of poodle-sized mosquitoes, you, Molly, Luca the Merchant, and Luca's unnamed llama head towards Pell's Scar, a town with a crime rate bigger than a metropolis and a reputation bigger than MC Muckmuck. Pell's Scar is a seedy harbor town built into the cliffs that surround a well-fortified cove. Once used exclusively by pirates, the town is looking to improve its image by inviting a classier class of criminal. Gone are the great thieves' guilds and pirate cabals of yesteryear. In their stead is a never-ending cavalcade of confidence artists and black marketeers, all allowed to ply their stock in trade without hindrance. And at the center of it all is the Pell Scar First United Bank, the most secure bank in the realm. The FU, as it's known, is protected from incursion and infiltration by a 500-year-old truce with the local criminals. Its reputation has been solidified by years of monopoly. There have been 18 second United Banks in Pelscar, but each in turn has burned to the ground under mysterious circumstances. A steep and disconcerting path to the town has been carved through the edge of a cliff. Your party descends slowly at first. Navigating the narrow chasm is difficult due to the sheer volume of yak's milk Molly is carrying. But then the trail opens to a large flat mesa overlooking the town below. The mesa hosts about three dozen tents of all various varieties, some poor, some clearly well-to-do. There's also multiple campfires going on, a large metal gate, and several more permanent-looking gatehouses. After an unusually long wait in a line that only had two people in it to begin with, 
you and Luca finally approach a man whose forced smile betrays the fact that smiling is not the man's default facial expression. You can tell the greeter is a former thug, now reformed and retrofitted to serve a lower calling. His faux business suit is missing some stitches, and his necktie was clearly tied by an elder member of his family long before he was born. Greetings, friends. On behalf of the Pelscar Verkmi Committee, from whose I say, hello. The greeter reaches under the desk with a smile. Your hand slides in quite near to your samshir while your eyes wait for the big reveal. A flickered glance over at Luca the merchant reveals he clearly had the same thought. The greeter pulls out a clipboard, which holds several blank forms and a pen on a chain. The greeter also pulls two boxes. Each box is the dimensions of a DVD case, though slightly thicker. The boxes have the words, Welcome to Pell's Scar, from the Committee for a Better Pell's Scar, stamped on the front. Though there are only 12 words in total, three of them are misspelled. Each box is also wrapped in a twine, so frayed it looks like it just washed up on the beach after a shipwreck. VR, excitement to make you our meeting. This is either the greatest con job you've ever seen, or this town has fallen from grace in ways you cannot possibly describe. We always make the friend, but new times make new rules, huh? <laughs> <laughs> With each, <laughs> the man thrust his hand through the air as if he were holding an imaginary knife. You now have no doubt that this man applied for this job with a resume that prominently featured the word murderer. You want to uh, make first friend, yes? And he looks over his shoulder while simultaneously presenting his upturned palm and twitching fingers. Clearly this man wants a bribe. You and Luca look at each other. Each of you slip him the least amount of cash allowed by local custom to prevent yourself from being stabbed in the gallbladder. <laughs> the greeter is unimpressed. He shovels the clipboard across the table along with the two boxes. Then he shuffles off grumbling. You look around quickly, taking stock of where all the knives are, only then allowing yourself to become distracted by your free gift. My question for you is this. What's in the box? You want to know what's in my DVD-sized box? I do. Well, you open it up. Is it a VHS tape? That would be awesome. But <laughs> Just smashed in there, all in pieces. And it was, uh, yes, it was a Goonies <laughs> VHS tape, <Yay>! too. <laughs> um, yes, you find, after opening the box, you find, wrapped up in a fine silk piece of cloth, a small, red, finely cut ruby that, oh. when placed in your hand... It feels warm. And if you hold it long enough, it will. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hell of a gift. I'm buying property here. If I hold on to it, what happens? <laughs> it will start to make you feel better. Oh, I bet it does. Plus one to health regen. <laughs> it will, yes, it will heal you of all your. The past day's ailments. Oh. So not two days ago ailments, just today's ailments. <laughs> yes. You should probably hold on to this. <laughs> <laughs> this might help you in the future. It's about time that we have a healing something. A healing gem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ruby, man. It's a ruby. 
<laughs> so does this yes. ruby have like a pointy end or is it like smooth all the way around more or less i understand it'll have facets um you could oh it's almost in the shape of like uh of a rupee from the legend of zelda okay maybe not as sharp what does the uh silk bag that it came in look like um i i, I picture it as being very like multicolored of browns and greens um, all very dark versions of these colors. Is it like a tiger stripe pattern, like the 1970s? Um, a little bit, but more... Zebra-like? Yeah, it's, it, it's there, mm. but the colors are melded into each other. Okay. That's cool. Does it have a drawstring? <laughs> um, no, it's just wrapped up loosely in this cloth. Yeah, that's gonna make it tough to hold on to. <laughs> well, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, being the awesome adventures that everyone is they will easily have a backpack or a pouch True. Or, be, or better yet a bag of holding Ooh, I've got one. all right now let me ask you this while it's in the bag will it work through the silk nope you must be holding uh, it direct contact that's a shame <laughs> i was gonna slip it into my shoe you have to have a firm grasp on this one yes it must be bare skinned all right well ca what's in your box are you opening my box Yes, I, I'm buoyed from the fact that last week I wasn't, uh, you know, turned into a newt or uh, made invisible in any way. <laughs> so you open the box and you find a whole bunch of origami animals. Yes, I love origami animals. <laughs> Best treasure ever. <laughs> I picture like 500 pirate slaves like inside of, you know, like these jailhouse things and like only their arms and legs can fit through the bars and they're just putting together <laughs> all these paper animals. Uh, so what kind of animals are there? Uh, one looks like a penguin. One looks like a dragon. Yes. We have a frog Roar. in there. Ribbit. <laughs> Ribbit. This is top Ribbit. quality stuff. <laughs> are they all? Are they different colors, or are they all just plain white paper? They're all different colors. So I want to. So I'm going to take the dragon, and I want to look under his ear to see if there's like any messages written there, like "Help us, we're trapped in prison." You know, please send food and water. Is there anything <laughs> like that? <laughs> no messages, but it's warm to touch. My dragon. Yeah. I touch the penguin. Is it cold? It is. This is awesome. I touch the frog. Is it slimy? <laughs> Does he smell like Budweiser? He smells like moss. <laughs> but let me guess, does it does it make the sound of Budweiser? <laughs> he doesn't make that noise. No. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. That was last oh. episode. <laughs> <laughs> if I touch the penguin, will my computer run better? No. <laughs> <laughs> Big time oh, nerd that. joke. Yes. You're welcome, <laughs> people. <laughs> That's really cool. I like that. Are there any other animals? Because now you got me excited. I want to know. There are 50 animals. Oh, my God. <laughs> another monster podcast. People strap it in. Animal number four, go. Is it an antelope? <laughs> when I touch it, do uh, I get Lyme disease? One of them looks like Molly the Yak. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a yak. <laughs> Can I milk it? The I don't know. Milk the origami you know, yak? No. <laughs> you, might, you might need to be careful because I'm sure the milk would be pretty yakky. That, that would be amazing. Imagine you're in the desert, right? And you're super thirsty and you take out your paper yak and start sucking on the bottom of it. You can get yourself <laughs> some liquid refreshment. 
That's perfect. What are you doing? Uh, I'm just sucking on my yak. <laughs> oh, it sounds so bad. Let's make sure that it's a female yak first. No. Is it a female yak? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's Molly. Okay, because that's going to change the next uh, what's in the box uh, if it's a male yak. It's a whole other kind of episode. That is a cool idea. You have certainly won this week's what's in the box. That was good. Oh, yeah. I Yay, like it. But you don't even know what they do. I do know what they do. They give me milk and moss. No. And <laughs> what was the other no. one? Last time Fire. you sold my skull, we didn't even get to find out what that did. I c- you don't even know what these do. What do the animals do? What do they do? You don't even know. Are you going to open one of them up? You want me to take one of the animals that gives me something and open it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you have to open up one of the little origami animals. All right. So I opened the origami tick because what could he possibly (laughs) give me, right? (laughs) And if there is no tick, I'll take any arachnid. There can be a tick. That's fine. Yes. I opened the the. The tick. Yes. So you have resistance to Lyme disease. Well, what if I open up the dragon? I want to open up the dragon. You have resistance to fire. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. How long does the resistance last? It remains as long as nothing happens to your origami piece. But something did happen to my origami piece. I just tore it to shit. Well, don't tear it up. Just open it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Boy, that takes a long it time. It's not going to work. <laughs> Do you know how many folds there are in a tick? <laughs> I'm sure quite yes. a few. <laughs> that prison inmate was there for a very long time. That could make like a really interesting snap cap fact. How, How many, many folds is there in an origami tick? Well, first you have to call the unnamed tea brand and get them to put it on the cap <laughs> before I'm willing to research it. I am on the job. I mean, what kind of tick is it? Um, The sucky kind? Yeah. <laughs> very specific rules. Yay, we did it. We did. Chris, do you have one? Um, oh, I can't beat origami prizes. (laughs) That is exceptional. I win. You have blown my mind. You won the podcast. So for those of you who are listening to this on the day when it was released, Gen Con is actually happening and CA will be there. I'll be there. (laughs) Come hang out with me at Gen Con. That is true. You have a ton of people who are going to be there, right? I do. I have giveaways that I'm giving out. Yes. We got some tabletop loot dice we're giving out. (gasps) They have their lanyards now. I'm going to be sporting those. Yeah. Find me. Come get them. Oh, We're also going to be handing out some discounts for tabletop loot also to some very special people at Gen Con. So that's important as well. We're going to be doing a lot of advertising for Empire Steel and Nowhere Nerds. (gasps) <gasps> that's how oh. we do it total absolute <laughs> nerdgasm right there so find me hit me up on twitter that's the best way to probably get in touch with me while we're there at gen con because it's going to be crazy it's a shame that we haven't adopted owls like the harry potter people <laughs> i feel like that could make things much better <laughs> then we have the extra life fundraiser november 3rd to the 4th yeah. 24 hours straight gaming RPGs, video games. Dak will be there. Maybe we'll get some snap caps. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be exciting. <laughs> some live stream snap cap action. Audience participation snap caps. That's a hell of a thing. All oh. the donations go to Children's Hospital. However, you do not have to wait until November 3rd to make a donation. You can make one right now. 
today right on the Extra Life website, which we'll provide a link for you to click on. You can look up Thread Raiders on there to make a donation, or you can actually make a donation to any of the other groups on there who are very excited and just as eager to save up money for a great cause. Do it. Go there. So that's going to wrap us up. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, in addition oh, to that, yeah. we want to thank our steadfast sponsor, Tabletop Loot, and our good friend, two weeks in a row, Daquin Gaming. Yay! Woo-hoo! Okay, thank was, you. They can find me on the Twitters at Daquin Game Army, all one word, and they can find me at Daquin Gaming on both YouTube and Twitch. That is correct. And also, for those of you who are listening on iTunes, uh, if you could give us a review, that would really help us out, help people to find our podcast. And for those of you who are interested in more from the Thread Raiders, you can check us out on threadraiders.com, where we have links to all of our social media properties, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, etc., etc., etc.